Welcome to another episode of Balling in the Six. It's been a slightly calmer week for the Raptors. Some would say back to normal service, a two and one record over the past seven days. However, that one will annoy a lot of Toronto fans because it was at the hands of Kawhi Leonard on quite a special night. It was the night of the man's return to Toronto. After winning the ring, he received the ring. And we'll get into all of that, though, with my co-host, my guest co-host, my temporary co-host, probably now my permanent co-host, Viral. Viral, welcome back. I can't believe you just said that. Oh, I've had such a variety of degrading names on this podcast. I, I can't believe he's going be a permanent co-host. Um, maybe just in a good mood, people. Next week, I'll probably be back to the usual. That's probably uh, it. Yeah. I will continue to degrade you. <laughs> in public a but, public um, shaming as it were yeah yeah um it, this is equivalent to throwing tomatoes at the stocks but uh talking about that clippers game though um yeah that, know, was, that was a public shaming yeah and and i hope uh, our list some of our listeners uh watch smooth and his incredible two minute highlights because one of his uh key catchphrases this season has been load management and uh <laughs> With a, with a case of Kawhi, um, with how many beach holidays he's been having throughout the season, uh, every time he plays, uh, you almost get like a playoff version of him because he's just refreshed and healthy. Although saying that, um, I do think there is an underlying cause for concern for Clippers fans. Um, I think there's, it, he potentially still slightly um, unhealthy uh well he's yeah still well, struggling with the same issues he was last year so well the thing with that and i think it's basketball's uh worst kept secret is that Kawhi leonard does have a, a degenerative condition in his knee and unfortunately regardless of the load management he does have and of course he's missed a lot of games this season much to the clippers demise in terms of their records you know i think they've lost almost every single one of the uh, games he's missed but he'll continue to sort of decline throughout his career and it's arguable that the Raptors championship was his peak or at least uh you know the start before the start of his decline um I mean it doesn't show up in his play especially against the Raptors he went eight for 14 23 points six assists and a couple of steals put in a classic Kawhi performance both ends of the floor and now of course, he I'm, has a I'm, great I'm complement of players. What did you think? Sorry, um, I just to pick up on something you said there. So you said it was a degenerative condition. You said it was a one of basketball's worst kept secrets. But apparently, I wasn't in on the loop. I I had no idea. No, well, my uh, my sources in Toronto tell me that uh, that's a that's a knee condition. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll definitely get more detail for you, but it's an interesting sort of. It's almost a chronic injury, um, right. and it stems essentially from compensating from his for his injured quad, and uh, it, it, it's an injury that will continue to linger throughout his career, almost regardless. Yeah, of- potentially, the only way for him to avoid it would be to maybe take a substantial uh, length of time off the court, which, um, given the demands of uh, players have now I, I don't see that happening maybe unless they shorten the schedule which has actually been um discussed not too seriously but 
I think there have been discussions of cutting it down from 82 to 78 games potentially. But um, oh, well, that's interesting, and that might actually be a shout considering the annoyance of back to backs that teams have had, and of course, the Raptors have had with the two LA games this season. Yeah, and um, I, I guess let's get back to those LA games. Oh, sorry, the Clippers game. So, uh, for you, Kamel, was there anything in particular about the um, Raptors play overall that stood out for you? Yeah, essentially, it was one of the first games, well, I say one of the first games, it was the fifth game that we had Lowry and Ibaka back. And at this point, it really wasn't looking good for those two. I mean, we talked last week about how we had an eight and two record with them out. And then they come mm-hmm. into this game and combine for six points. They shoot together, they shoot 0 from 10 from behind the perimeter and just one for 16 overall. Lowry gets four free throws and that's it. It was yeah. horrible from two of them, to, from from those two who played such a big part. And, you know, you look at, the, and of course with Van Vliet out, you're missing that third scorer with Gasol a bit passive. And we'll come on to Gasol a little bit later, but Gasol in these kind of games, not the guy you look to to score, he's the guy to, you look to to facilitate. You can't just rely on Siakam to get all your points. And of course, the Raptors did have a lot of help from Norman Powell, who has been on phenomenal form these last seven or eight games. But apart from that, there was just no one clicking. So you only have Siakam and Powell. You can't beat the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George. I'm sorry. No, and uh, when it comes to the Clippers, so teams more and more so have uh, figured out that uh, when attacking that Clippers defense, by far and away, the weakest link is Lou Williams. And um, you saw, I can't remember who exactly uh, it was that I was watching, but uh, in every single pick and roll, it was like uh, the Cavs against the Warriors with Stephen Curry. Lou Williams was just getting targeted every single time. Um, So that should be a good formula for teams going against the Clippers. But uh, like you said, you can't just have two players going off against that team. They're too talented, both offensively and defensively. Um, And... I think with Norman Powell, potentially, um, you know, he was listening into the, the podcast last week and he buoyed and, you know, spurred on by me uh, mentioning him as the standout player besides Siakam this season. So um, I'm, I'm glad to see that I've had a positive effect on one of the young prodigies of the team. Well, to be fair, Norm does reply to pretty much all Snapchats that he has sent. So I don't know if you... Maybe sent him an audio clip on there or something. How, he just how do you know that? <laughs> well, I've I've snapped him. He's, oh, his okay. Snapchat's open to send send anything to man. Really? Yeah, yeah, and uh, he replies regularly to fans. Oh wow! He's a, he's a good guy, Norm, like that. But of I, course, I maybe after, after this stretch of games, after, after he after wins MIP, maybe not. So, sorry to interrupt there, Camille, but I think after his recent performances, perhaps he'll start to become flooded uh, with messages, and uh, maybe he'll like renege on that policy we'll see though well that's what i'm saying i mean to be fair norm this is not norm's peak by any means he's delivered he's known as playoff p for a reason he delivers in the postseason when all the fans are watching so if it's not flooded then i don't think he'll be flooded now regardless of form um but this clippers game it was interesting because obviously toronto went five up in the first quarter and then the clippers just had a phenomenal second quarter held the raptors to 14 while dropping 37 of their own and essentially ending the tie within within 12 minutes 
you know, because the second half, the Raptors, yeah, they threatened to get back within nine, threatened single digits, but there wasn't really a sense that if the Raptors did threaten to get anywhere close, then the Clippers would go in a, you know, second or third gear and feel it out a bit more and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, expand, expand the victory like that. So there wasn't really a threat in this game. And I think it was a really disappointing performance overall, particularly from Lowry and particularly from Ibaka. Yeah, um, I, I would just put it down to when you're coming back, um, even from mine and Eagles, like going up against a team as formidable as the Clippers, is it's not the type of game to ease you in. Uh, so potentially they were slightly intimidated. And I think... Uh, I don't want to half hop back on Larry's playoff record, but maybe, you know, he kind of choked slightly. I don't, I don't, I don't want to throw it out there like that. Um, but I'm probably just uh, making it up. We'll move on to the next game, which um, I actually found more interesting, the Brooklyn Nets game. Um, and when it comes to the Nets in particular, um, I want to know about your opinion on this because the media is focused specifically on how they seem to have improved quite drastically since Kyrie got injured and uh, what, Spencer Dinwiddie. Sorry, who is saying that? Can you tell me which writer is saying that? Because I'm going to apply to that organisation. No, 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 no. This, this is facts, Kamel. Have you seen? Sorry, they've been playing better. You know, they're. I mean, okay, they're 13 and 12, but the same as last season. They're a considerably better record with it without Kyrie and their like offense, defense, uh, plus minus ratings. Like everything across the team is better without Kyrie. Not to oh, say that they you know are. Definitely I'd rather have a, I'd rather have a championship winning point guard who who drops thirty five, who averages thirty five a game. To be honest, I I can't imagine them Who's being that? better James than Kyrie. Just like us, just just like the Raptors last season went something like. Uh, 15 and 4 with with without Leonard just you know it doesn't mean they're, they're better without Leonard it doesn't mean no, no 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 but when it comes to somebody like Kyrie um you know it's about team chemistry I think up to a point um with Spencer Dinwiddie just if you if you watch any of the Nets games his numbers and his efficiency stats don't really highlight what kind of impact he has on the floor like when you watch him play, with how he facilitates everyone, he draws he draws double teams quite frequently when he's playing the point. Um, he's a shot maker. He's he's exceptional bringing his teammates into the into the game. Um, he he's got a very very solid handle. Nothing too flashy. Doesn't turn the ball over a lot. And just offensively, he's just he, I'd say he's definitely almost all-star level like the stats don't tell the whole story when it comes to Spencer and so he doesn't have the flash that Kyrie has and this is the important point he's significantly better defensively and so of course when Kyrie comes back potentially they'll share the playmaking uh, duties but I don't know I I think somebody like Spencer Dinwiddie could actually Lead, almost lead a championship potential team and I don't know this sounds blasphemous but maybe well, I don't trade, know it's a bold claim trade, it was actually one that was made actually. it was one that was made on the Athletic today in terms of building a surprise all-star roster and Dinwiddie of course was one of the ones who took full advantage of that those of you who play fantasy will have had Dinwiddie 
in your team from last season when he started performing, at least on the scoreboard and the box score, he started performing. But no, it's an interesting point you make. I mean, on paper, without Kyrie, it's pretty poor. I mean, okay, yeah. you've got Allen, Jarrett Allen, um, and you've got Dinwiddie. But outside of that, Joe, do Joe Harris, Torian Prince, and Garrett Temple inspire anything in you when Lubabubu Carrot is playing 17 minutes? <laughs> what does that say? What did he say? <laughs> uh, Lubabubu Carrot, aka. Uh, Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know the likes of. Okay, you've got DeAndre Jordan off the bench. Okay, you you've got uh, Durant to come back. You've got Kyrie to come back. But we're talking about right now. Yeah. There's nothing really inspirational in that next team, which is, I suppose, a, a testimony to how well they're coached. I think, you know, if you're 14 and 12, while living off almost a shoestring budget because, you know, they're in a much worse position now than they were last season in terms of players if we look at who's actually healthy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, well, fair play fair play to them. Yeah, last season, wanna... of course, they had uh, D'Angelo Russell and Karis LeVert both playing at quite a high level to um, share the responsibility that Dinwiddie has now. So, absolutely. That's of course, good... and uh, Hollis Jefferson, can we not uh, forget my, oh, course, yeah. uh, my man off the Raptors bench? One man who performed in the Raptors starting lineup for the, one of the first times was Mark Gasol, of course. 17 points and 15 rebounds it's and two blocks as well. It's not a stat line that Gasol has delivered all this season. I mean, if we look at the statistics, uh, you can talk about the Gasol game where a player records five rebounds and five assists, but shoots four or fewer field goal attempts. Gasol has done this three times. Which is astounding. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't seem to be affecting the Raptors because he is a facilitator, as it were. The Raptors score 108.8 points per 100 possessions when he's on the floor. That's better than when he isn't, of course. And of course, defensively, Eric Corian of The Athletic claims he has a key shot at being named to one of the all-defense teams this year. That's not I only due to the eye test. Stretch. That's a massive stretch. Really? Well... Let's just give you let's just give you some context. The Raptors only allow 99 points per 100 possessions when he's on the floor and 106 when he's off it. He's got a minus 9.9 net rating on defense, which is the best on the team. His rim protection, to be fair, is excellent. He's shut down all the big centers this year. He's held Embiid, Joel Embiid to zero yeah. points. He's shut down Vucevic of the Magic. He can come up against any center and come out the victor, at least even by holding them to limit to limited points. Yeah, yeah. He's an interesting fellow. The Vucevic um, point is not so convincing. He hasn't had a terrifically, uh, well, a terrific standout year by any means. But but last season, of course, in the playoffs, less. Uh, yes, yes, but this season, um, well, I perhaps we'll discuss this next week, but. Um, when it comes to the Magic, uh, they're going to be one of the teams really looking at their trade options um, with the windows close approaching us. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. But I think there's only two defensive uh, teams, isn't there? All defensive teams. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, there's no in way... In terms of centre, who, who, who would you put ahead of Gasol? Uh, Rudy Gobert, absolutely. Okay, fair enough. He's a and... lock-in. I don't know what you're considering Anthony Davis to be. 
a power forward. So if that's the case, um, ooh, um, Marcus Hall, Marcus Hall. Yeah, I mean that is a name that jumps out to me. Yeah, um, definitely not DeAndre or Jordan, of course, who's like almost perennially been part of that team for for a long time now. So yeah, fair enough. Yeah, well, uh, one of the criticisms of, of Gasol and you know having that Gasol sort of game is that he's not, he's not aggressive enough. But he actually took 11 field goals this game. He dismantled the Nets and, of course, basically sunned Jarrett Allen, which is no easy feat. He's a, he's a good young man, Jarrett Allen. <laughs> well done. Well done, that man. But, unfortunately, today, sir, you got sunned by Mr. Gasol. Um, and that rounded off an excellent Raptors performance. You want to guess the two highest point scorers? I won't even let you guess. It's Pascal Siakam and Norman Powell. Mm-hmm. I will never get tired of saying Norman Powell is our highest, one of our best point scorers because it's so satisfying. Mm. Amen uh, to that. Well, there was one game left. And hey, do you remember when... So the year is 2016. The Raptors match up which could be 2017 or 2018 the Raptors are matching up against the Cleveland Cavaliers mm. this was a fixture that every Raptor fan circled in their calendar this was something this was a chance to face the best of the best the LeBron Kevin Love Kyrie all in one team and now instead it's a chance to rebuild confidence because it's a chance to face a team which is in the bottom three at both ends of the floor so it's almost like a training exercise, this game, and it proved to be. I was scared that, okay, maybe, you know, someone like Darius Garland or Colin Sexton's going to go off and have their career night in, in Toronto. But no, this was a very simple attack v defense training exercise and proved to be one of the most comfortable Raptors wins this season. Did you did you manage to catch any performances in this game? No. I didn't bother enough, watching I like the, the game. I didn't bother watching the highlights. Like you said, it's a training exercise. It's of no interest to me. The only thing I can say about the Cavs, um, Garland has been rather disappointing. But he oh, dropped twenty this game. It, it's true, but um, I'm talking about the season as a whole. And uh, one man who's actually probably the only man on the roster who's exceeded expectations is Tristan Thompson. And oh yeah. It's because it's contract year. Like he's done it before. He's gonna tr- pull the war over your eyes. He's gonna, he's gonna try and trick you, pretend he's a somewhat competent player in this league, and then um, get signed to like probably fifteen million a year. And then everyone will look at that contract. Well, Cleveland will look at that contract and say this is pretty much impossible to trade on and rinse and repeat. Um, Aside from that, the Cavaliers are not worth talking about, so that's all They're I have not, to say. Well, about. I just want to bring up Tristan Thompson. He had a good night. He shot 9 for 14. Um, he was minus 22, okay, but he shot 9 for 14. <laughs> he dropped 18 points. Um, and he's one of the few Canadian players who doesn't get cheered when it comes to Toronto. Um, he still claimed the East ran through the Cavs, even after LeBron left, which was laughable. But when the likes of RJ Barrett, Corey Joseph, um, Jamal Murray, they all come to Toronto, they're all received very warmly across the border. But Tristan Thompson's the one guy who's not. So uh, I'm I'm glad to see him sad. I agree. Um, possibly to wrap this up, because uh, it's gone to the 25-minute mi- minute mark now. My word. Um, yes, time has flown by. I want 
to get your opinion on a particular rumor that popped up in my feed today, and that is that Masai Ujiri is potentially considering an executive role at the New York Knicks. Now, I'll, sorry, I'll, uh, sorry, I'll give you some time to get this article up because I thought my eyes do deceive me when I saw this. But um, where, where are you hearing this? Um, if if you just type in Masai Jury New, York I, I, I am, but it's I think it's New York propaganda from the Post more than anything. The yes, Knicks view um, him as the chosen one, according. Listen, to listen, New listen, York listen. It, it it potentially uh, makes some sense because uh, supposedly Masai Jury um, is something about uh, the UN being based in uh, New York and like uh, for his foundation. Um, I suppose it's better for him to be in Africa. Uh, I think it's for like the development of African uh, talent uh, when it comes to bringing a pipeline to the NBA. It, either way, um, I think New York uh, potentially considering trading is either one or two first round picks potentially to bring Masai in, which I would say is would be a massive coup for that franchise given how incompetently they've been run for the past god knows how long i'm sure you can watch enough stephen a smith videos to uh enlighten you as to how how that's how they've been managed um well but... you know what i just i i'm not sure if i want to give any credence to this rumor i'm not sure i want to dignify it with my own words you know what i'm going to dignify it instead with Masai Ujiri's words. These were spoken on the 13th of June. Okay. But we wanted to win in Toronto, and we were born in Toronto! Yeah! <laughs> Why would Masai Ujiri leave an organization that he has built, he took, he wrestled into competency? Sorry, not only competency, wrestled to the, the best championship winning team of 2019, of course there's only one, so of course you're going to be the best, but the, a, a dynasty destroying one, uh, an Embiid destruction one, a, a, a Giannis damaging one, you're getting me speaking like in tongues, man, I I just can't get over the fact that... It sounds that like the new Kanye album, it sounds like the new Kanye album, I must say. Oh, thanks man, I, I run my own Sunday service, actually, <laughs> thanks, um, but no, I... Again, I think we should we should leave it at that. I mean, if the Post want to create these rumors, you know, I'm a member of the media. I know how we work. I know how we fuel rumors and try and shape the landscape, whether it be politics or sports. And I, I think the best way is to ignore it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Um, we, We've got a quick message, actually, a quick update from... Uh, Portland correspondent Samuel Jeffries coming right up and then afterwards we're going to go into a lightning roundup of the rest of the NBA. Here's your one minute Blazers roundup. Melo is now apparently an absolute tank on defense. He had three extremely clutch plays forcing turnovers in the final two minutes against Phoenix helping Damian Lillard to hit his game winner. Unbelievable. No one expected it. No one wanted it. Also on Melo, he is a plus 7.2 net rating when playing with Damon CJ on the floor all at the same time. And that, I think, when you combine that for around 36 minutes a game, 
will put the Blazers in a better position than 11 16, and 16 as they are now. They also just beat Phoenix, as I said, one of the best teams in the league with Aaron Baines, MVP candidate, unbelievable player. And that's pretty much all we have from the Blazers this week, and it's in only in 45 seconds. So the Raptors' biggest rival, potentially biggest rival in the playoffs, the Milwaukee Bucks, they've been consistently top of all the NBA power rankings throughout the whole season. Going into last night against the Dallas Mavericks, they had a 24-3 record. It's now 24-4. The Dallas Mavericks broke an 18-game streak. An 18-game winning streak. And of course, an 18-game winning streak where Giannis was dealing, where George Hill was dealing, where, where Korver was delivering well even uh, it sounds like a mafia boss Dante DiVincenzo <laughs> was dealing you know um, I think it's more like, than a basketball yeah for sure Yeah, they, I mean they're a cracking team and um, just very quickly I do want to know is this the end or was that a lucky streak or are the Bucks really going for like a 60 win season what do you think uh, I think that loss needs to be put in context that Dallas team is so when we talked about where we would think they would finish by the end of the season, I think it was two episodes ago, but um, I was perhaps now looking back on it slightly negative about them because I said they'd finish fourth with the Nuggets finishing ahead of them. That Dallas team has been absolutely phenomenal in the last 10 to 15 games. They, of course, uh, completely dismantled the Lakers, the Rockets. Um, they and have us as well, of course. They dismantled the Raptors. Yeah. Yep, and they've had a, quite a few poor losses actually. Um, they've but they've beaten a lot of the very very uh, top teams that they have played. So I don't think it's panic mode. But to also say um, on the flip side, the Bucks um, people have said that they had probably one of the easiest 18 games to um, to carry out that sort of streak. I mean, they didn't play many top teams. Uh, which is not to take anything away from them, but um, we should start to see their schedule toughen up a bit from now on. But yeah, is there anything for you, um, again, which stands out when uh, analysing them during the streak? Well, it's just that they've got everything. You think about the only reason they were knocked out last year against the Raptors was because of, you know, Kawhi and some insanely complex coaching by Nick Nurse which managed to you know uh, nullify Giannis enough or at least score enough points on the Bucks to to nullify his effect so um no I think I think they're going all the way this season you know I originally of course we all backed the Clippers but the way they're playing the way Giannis is playing 40 point game is just nothing for him now against any team and it's mm. it's sort of worrying it's sort of worrying I won't even lie um you made an interesting point actually against da- about Dallas Dallas of course destroying a lot of teams because of Luka Doncic uh, Dallas of course face the Raptors and the second game of a back-to-back this Sunday that'll be a live YouTube game so I'm sure we'll both be tuning right into yeah, that yeah absolutely really looking forward to that so that'll be brilliant of course they haven't got Luka which is a bit of a disappointment for the fans who are in Toronto but it's it's good for Toronto's chances but of course uh, you, you know we won't get another chance to see Luka play the Raptors another chance to nullify him it's always fun playing against the big players in regular season uh because you know it's a it's a chance to match yourself up so but in any sense they've got a good squad as we talked about last week 
and um, I think we'll wrap it up there. I think uh, the Bucks and the Mavericks are, are sort of our two teams to watch for obvious reasons. Uh, Burrell, thanks once again for appearing. Sweet. I'm really sorry. I always say I've got one more thing to add. And oh, please. For me, when it comes to the Bucks, I think Dante DiVizenzo, um, hey. one, of the, one of the head of the five families, of course. Um, I go into his daughter's wedding. <laughs> next week brilliant um so he, he took a starting lineup role uh with Bledsoe's injury and I basically would love to see him carry on with that role I actually think Bledsoe as a potential sixth man um would actually benefit the team uh has been shooting fantastically well facilitating very well defending excellently he's got better, better length than Bledsoe so um I, I wouldn't expect him not to carry on this kind of form because he's been given so much space um, with the uh, sort of uh, attention that Yanis uh, attracts in their offense. So, yeah, I, I expect to see him carry on excelling. Brilliant. Well, we'll end on that little nugget while we don't discuss the actual nuggets. Well, we'll see you next week after a hopefully a 3-0 and week. Yes, well, hopefully it'll be a festive episode, considering it's... Oh, well, Christmas Eve would be next week, wouldn't Christmas it? Christmas Eve? Probably, we're not that dedicated, but... Well, we'll no, I don't, we don't take breaks on this podcast. We've earned all 50 listeners that we have every week, and we'll continue to. All right, see you, boss. We, uh, we hope to see you all listening while you enjoy life with your families and while we're mercilessly going through reams and reams of Dante Defensento stats on Christmas Day. Thanks once again.